0: are listening to the Mile Strait podcast. For more information on Mile Strait or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.milestraitbc.org. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Tom Goss. Well, if you picked up a study guide, I'd love for you to grab it and uh, get ready to write some notes down. If you didn't, if you happen to have a scrap piece of paper somewhere, take it out. If not, you can always type it into your phone. And I think we're going to share some thoughts today that will be greatly beneficial for you to hang on to. So if you would, uh, take some notes down today. There are times when, uh, because of time expectations, I have to get certain things done by certain days of the week in order for uh, the ladies to get my notes up on the screens or typed out into the uh, study guides or different things uh, put into the computer for our live stream by the way those of you watching live thanks so much for joining us Uh, and so as a result it it doesn't necessarily mean that I have always completed my study process And therefore, there are times when working through finalizing different thoughts on my study that I get to a place where I think, oh, I wish I'd put that differently in my notes. I wish I had submitted it differently for those who will be seeing it later on. I I wish I had an opportunity to go back and do it over. This is such a day. Uh, As I was preparing for finalizing things for this morning, I came to the understanding that... uh, that which I put out to be our main topic should only be part of our main topic this morning. And actually, there's there's another element that has to come before it in order for us to understand the balance of the discussion. If we don't have this part that comes first, then the second part is going to be really vague. It's going to be difficult for us to comprehend. It's going to be really hard for us to understand and accept it. And therefore, it's going to kind of ruin the whole study. So I wish I could do it over. I wish that instead of our our title being how you should respond to suffering, I wish I could just say, and you write this down, and forget about that other one, that you you just write this down that suffering has come. Now what? Suffering has come. Now what? And if I could respond to that, there are two things I'd like to say, and these would be the main points. It's not if you have a study guide, but if you don't, you can, you can cheat a little bit. I would say, number one, that there's a reason for suffering. We have to understand there's a reason for suffering. And number two, there is an appropriate way to respond to suffering. Okay, now the reason I added the first one, as I said if we don't collectively understand that, if we don't get that part, that there's a reason for suffering in life, then we're going to miss out on the the way that we can most appropriately respond to suffering when it comes into our lives. So then let me jump into this. Number one, and this is not for you with the study guides, but this is under point number one. What does... What what is it that causes suffering? I mean, why do, let's just say Christians, why do Christians suffer? Sometimes we get in our minds that we have this, this uh, free pass. It's kind of like we landed on free parking playing Monopoly. You know, you get this free ride, if you will. Uh, and yet, Because we're Christians, it doesn't change the fact that life still happens, that suffering still happens, that difficulties still come, that problems still overwhelm, that that pain and tears flood our pillow at night. We understand that suffering is part of life. If anything, the last year has taught us, we have seen very much that suffering is part of life. But why? I mean, why is it that that is reality for us? quite honestly there's a lot of reasons I mean if we're just looking at this from God's perspective we're not looking at this from my perspective yours we're looking at this from God's perspective we would say there are a lot of reasons why suffering occurs I mean there's a lot of things we could point out and and the, the, the honest truth is that there is no way for us to know all the reasons the Bible is very clear that my ways are not God's ways his thoughts are not my thoughts There's no way for me to get into God's mind and to interpret His eternal plan. There's no way for me to somehow weave into the intricacies of God's plan as we see how He makes generations in the past somehow affect generations in the future. How somehow He orchestrates His plan so geniusly that what happens thousands of years before will affect us living in our day and time. There's no way for me to comprehend that. But there are some things in the Word of God that I can draw out and say, but while we can't know them all, we can know some of them. And we can come to an understanding to say, okay, there is a purpose for what's happening in my life. It's a purpose. So why does suffering happen to Christians? Let me just throw out a few. First of all, God will use suffering sometimes to get our attention. Uh, On Wednesday evenings, we have our equipping classes. I've got three really good classes this month. If you're not part of that, I would encourage you to be here Wednesday at 6.30 and get involved. But one of the classes, Van Ferguson's teaching here in the auditorium on the life of Jonah, the the book of Jonah. And in this book, one thing we see is is that God, through the suffering that Jonah faced, was getting Jonah's attention. I mean, there Jonah was. If you know anything about the story, if you don't, I apologize for not going into it deeper. You can come Wednesday evening and learn a little bit more about it. It's a very good story. But Jonah ends up in the belly of a fish. And all of a sudden, you know what he wants to do? Uh, God, (laughs) you've got my attention. Let's talk. God used his circumstances. God used the suffering to grab his attention. But it's also true that God will use suffering in one person to get someone else's attention. September 1st will mark 23 years for me as, as a pastor here at Mile Street, And in that 23-year period, I have come to realize one thing very clearly. A lot of things, but one thing that applies to our study today. And that is that when our children are suffering, God seems to be able to get our attention unlike any other time. When, when our children, our grandchildren are going through something really hard, all of a sudden, we want to get as close to God as we possibly can. Why? Because we want to be able to tell God about this problem our kids are enduring, our grandkids are facing. We want very much for nothing to disturb that communication. And so we want to get as close to God as we possibly can. David, King David, said, in, He said, if I regard iniquity, if I allow sin or rebellion to live in my life, the Lord will not hear me. There's an interruption in conversation. The communication is broken because of what's in my life. And so as parents and grandparents, when there's something going on in the lives of our kids or grandkids, We want very much for God to have our attention. And we want very much to have his attention. God will use suffering in someone else to get our attention. It's true. But not only that, there are times when God uses suffering to prepare us for something that's coming in the future. Uh, There are a lot of times that um, God, knowing what's ahead of us, knows that we're not ready for it. And so he begins equipping us, preparing us through little trials or great difficulties in order to equip us to be ready for it when it comes. And it's not always just bad stuff that's down the road we're not prepared for. Sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes God just needs to humble us a little bit so that when those good things happen, we don't get all prideful and look at me, look at what I've done, but we continue to focus on God through that time. It also is the case, when looking to the future, that God allows us to go through things so that when someone else does, we've already been there and we can say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. And I know my situation's not exactly like yours, but I can tell you, as I went through something similar, there were a couple of things that really helped me, and here's what they were. We can help them. Paul talks about that. We can be a benefit to someone else because we've already experienced it. God allowed us to go through it so that we could benefit someone else when they face something similar. It's also the case that God will use suffering to teach us to pray. Man, there's something about being in the middle of something really hard, something really painful, that there again we want to get to the communication part. In the good times, we seem to let that slide a little bit. Good times, it's not so important when we got things handled. But all of a sudden, something disastrous hits, some sort of a pain hits, and and man, we got to get back in touch with God. God uses suffering to get our attention, to teach us to pray, to get us back in the place we should have been all alone. God also shows us in the Bible that suffering sometimes comes as a result of a consequence of sin. Jonah, great example, his sin put him in a very bad place. Because he told God, yeah, I know you want me to go there, but I'm going over here instead. God brought a lot of suffering upon him. There was a lot of pain this guy endured because of the fact that he rebelled against God. But not only that, did you know that the consequences of sin, of sin, the suffering that is brought, can be brought on because someone else is sin. Jonah, once again, a great example. He was on the boat with a, guy, a load of guys that were experienced sailors. And yet, because Jonah had sinned against God, to our knowledge and understanding none of those guys were even privy to the fact that Jonah rebelled against God but because Jonah had rebelled against God everyone on that ship was suffering physical stress emotional turmoil anxiety the loss of all their wealth all their goods that were on that ship it's all gone because Jonah rebelled against God listen Never think that your sin only affects you. Never does. Never does. You kill someone, yeah, you're going to be affected. You'll go to prison. You may suffer um, loss of your life, death sentence. But your family also suffers. You know, they've got to live with what you've done. They've got to live with the fact that you're in prison. No one wants that for their child. Not only your family, but the family that of the person you killed. I mean, they're innocent in all of this, and yet here they are. They've got a life sentence. Adultery, the same. Yeah, it affects you, but it also affects your family, affects the other person's family. Destruction. I mean, we could go on and on about this, right? We've got to come to a place where we understand, okay, this is just real. Sometimes suffering comes as a result of consequences of sin, and sometimes it's somebody else's sin, and maybe it's us that's bringing suffering upon someone else simply because we we would not listen to God. But not only that, there's times that suffering comes, and in fact, a lot of times suffering comes as a result of, just living in a broken world. Man, we're in a world that's stained by sin. The Bible talks about Adam and Eve rebelling against God in the garden, and it says, As by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death came upon all men because all have sinned. Because of this being a broken world, because of sinfulness, because of our rebellion against God, there is suffering in this world. Suffering. How hard. There's one more I'll give you before we move on. And that is sometimes God allows suffering into the life of a Christian simply to complete his plan. You say, what? Yeah, it's, it's real. Sometimes God allows suffering to come into my life so that his, his mighty workings can be seen through me. So that his power. Now I tell you, I don't believe that's the only part to this. As I said, it's so intricate, his plan. That every piece he moves has, has a multifaction response. I mean, it's touching different people in so many different ways. And yet one of the things we see in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, that God allows suffering sometimes to make an impact on other people's lives as they see God working through that situation. Here we read, As Jesus went on his way, he saw a man who had been born blind. His followers asked him, Teacher, whose sin made this man to be born blind? Was it the sin of this man or the sin of his parents? And Jesus said, the sin of this man or the sin of his parents did not make him to be born blind. He was born blind so that the work of God would be seen in him. He was born blind so that God's power would be visible through his situation. You know, we do not know who's watching us. We don't know. There's no way we can understand who who's watching us go through a time of suffering, and they're waiting to see how we respond to it. We don't know who maybe be someone we've been praying for for years, that God would get their heart, God would draw them to himself. We've been praying for them for years, and, and we don't know what it's going to take, and yet here it is. They just need to see God's work, and God will bring suffering into our lives so that they're they can see the work and the power of God coming through that circumstance. Who knows? Now, as I said, there are times that we can know why things happen. There are times when we can't. There are times I can look at my suffering and I can say, you know what, (laughs) I know why it's happened. It's happening because I did this. No doubt in my mind. I'm suffering the consequences of my sin or for whatever else you may know. There are other times when we can speculate. We can say, well, you know, I'm not positive, but I believe that because of this, this is now happening. This suffering is at home. There are other times, no way in the world to know. This past Monday, Jason Sneed, Mickey Rector, and I went to the house of a couple who have experienced incredible loss in the last week and a half incredible loss and as I was talking to uh, the husband through text one of the questions he asked that was so obvious they would just like to know is why why did this happen why have we had such a loss in our lives it wasn't that he was Questioning God as if to say, God, you've done this, forget it, it's off. You know, no. He just wanted to know there's got to be a reason for this. What is it? Do you know what the problem was? I don't have an answer to it. I don't know. I don't know why God allowed such loss to come into their family. I can't for the life of me begin to imagine how that kind of suffering serves the purpose of God. But what I do know for sure is that it does somehow. I do know that God has a reason for everything He does. It's not a fluke. It's not coincidence. It's not chance. It's part of a master plan laid out by an all-knowing, all-powerful God. And he's orchestrated it to do exactly what is best for those who love him. Isn't that incredible? I may never know the reason why, but I will always know that there's a reason. Now, when I understand that there's a reason, that there's a purpose, that it's not just some empty fluke that happened, then it enables me to better come to this second place to where I respond to this suffering in an appropriate way, in a way that pleases God, a way that honors God, a way that gives God glory through the circumstances. It enables me, because I know God is up to something, it enables me to respond in a way that is going to cause others to look on and say, wow, even in this time in their life, they still trust God. Man, I really need that. So then how do we rep- respond appropriately? How do we respond to suffering? What's, what's the God-honoring way? There are a lot of things we could put in place here. I just want to give you four four quick thoughts. Number one is this. That I believe God wants us to respond to suffering with Radical humility and thanksgiving to God. Now, if you've got a study guide, here's where you start filling in the blanks. God wants us to respond to suffering with radical humility and thanksgiving to God. What does radical mean? Radical means a complete reversal from what is expected in a given situation. Complete reversal. So, in other words, society would dictate when I'm in the middle of this suffering, whatever it may be, that this is the way I should respond. That I ought to be looking out for number one. That there ought to be anger associated with this. That there ought to be bitterness. But God's saying, I want you to respond in a completely reversed way. Completely opposite from what everyone else in the world would suggest to you. I want you to respond in such a way, such a way. That people look at it and just wonder, is that real? I want you to respond with humility and thanksgiving. Now, let's start with thanksgiving. Because sometimes we get in the middle of difficulties. Thanksgiving is not the default mode, right? We get in the middle of, of, of pain and, and sorrow and the last thing we're thinking about is saying, well, God, thank you for this. And, and honestly, could God really expect us to be thankful in the middle of suffering? Do you know the answer is yes? It may surprise you, but the answer is yes. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, God says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in the good times. It's really easy to do that. God, thank you. Yeah, I just got a promotion or just got a raise or whatever the case may be. Just got a good report from the doctor. God, thank you for that. For some of us, it doesn't apply to me right now, but it did at one time. God, thank you for letting me pass this grade. <laughs> Whew. Then there are the other times. Wow. Extreme sorrow. And somehow God is calling on us to be thankful in those times as well. In fact, he goes on to say in the rest of this verse, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is God. You ever wondered what God's will is for your life? Part of it is to be thankful in all circumstances. The good times, the bad times, the horrible times. Wow. And you know what? If I don't realize that there's a reason for why this is happening, if I don't recognize that God is up to something in my life, and while I don't understand it, He's up to something, and he's he's working in this situation for my good and for his glory. If I don't comprehend that, if I don't understand it, there is no way that I'm going to be able to step back and say, well, thank you, God, for this. Now, please understand something. He doesn't say you have to like it. He doesn't say you have to enjoy it. But he does say, I want you to be thankful for it. Because you can't see what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm up to. But there's a really good reason for it. And then he adds into this mix the humility thing. Humble yourself. James 4.10 Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. There's one of two ways to approach most things is with humility or with pride. I can approach it with pride and I can say, I've got this. I'm going to take care of this problem. Or I can approach it with humility and recognize, God, I I don't have this. I can't fix this situation. James chapter 4 verse 6, he says, God resists the proud... gives grace to the humble. Okay, so then the choice is there. I can respond with pride. I can respond with humility. On one side, God said, you respond with pride, I'm going to resist you. In other words, I'm going to say, okay, you think you can do this by yourself? Let's see how that works out for you. On the other side, I humble myself and admit how desperately I need God. God said, "And watch and see. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to lift you. I'm going to strengthen you in this situation. I'm going to give you that which you need. You can't find it in yourself, but you can certainly find it in me. It doesn't come through your pride. It comes through your humility. So he says, I want you to respond to suffering with radical humility and thanksgiving. Number two. I want you to respond to suffering with unwavering confidence in God. Unwavering confidence in God. If I know that God has a plan and a purpose for what's happening in my life, it it makes this next part a little easier for me. It's a little simpler because I recognize what God is up to. I recognize His authority. I recognize His sovereignty over my situation. And as a result, I can say... That God is in control of this, and He knows what's best. And I'm just going to trust Him through the process. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing. That He, God, which has begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That He hasn't deserted us. We find ourselves in difficulty, we find ourselves in suffering... God hasn't deserted us, He hasn't abandoned us in the middle of that. That He is still with us, He will never leave us, He will never forsake us. And I can have confidence in the fact that God has a plan for what's going on. Which brings me to the third point. If I have confidence in God, then it enables me to, number three, approach and respond to suffering with complete dependence on God. Complete dependence on God. If I don't have confidence in God, then me depending on God is probably never going to happen. But if, on the other hand, I trust God, God, I've got complete confidence. I don't like what's happening to me, but I know there's a reason for it. I know you're in control of this. I know you're not taken by surprise. You're not sitting in heaven scratching your head saying, wonder how that happened. No, he knows. He knows it all. And therefore, God, because I am unable to fix this situation by myself, I have no ability to change circumstance. I have no ability to to give myself the resources I need to survive this. God, I've got to depend on you. The Psalmist says it like this, Psalm forty verses sixteen and seventeen. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Yet, this is an amazing thought. Yet the Lord thinks upon me. The Lord thinks about me. In my time of sorrow, in my time of suffering, God has not forgotten me. The blessing of it all is that God knows what's happening in my life. He's thinking about my situation. He cares. And He's at work. What an amazing, amazing thing. One final thing I'll throw out for your consideration. That is, God expects us to respond to suffering with extreme anticipation of something far better awaiting us from Him. God wants us to respond to suffering with extreme anticipation that there is something far better waiting for us. You say, well, suffering is never intended to last. You're right. It may be over in a few weeks. It may be over in a few months. It may not end until life ends for me. Yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of my dad's death. And I can tell you that while in some ways it's become easier, it's still a great deal of sorrow. There's a great deal of suffering associated with his death. And I can imagine that that will never go away fully. Maybe I'm wrong, but I've seen some of your posts on Facebook, and you've said, you know, it's been 15 years, it's been 20 years, whatever... And you still miss them, you're still hurting over their loss. I can imagine that's going to be the same for me. But there is coming a day when all of that gets pushed away. Revelation 21, 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away Wow someday someday not because of how good I've been not because of the things that I've been able to accomplish in my life but because of what Jesus Christ did on my behalf on the cross of Calvary because of his sacrifice for me someday As a result of having received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, when I step from this life into the next, all suffering will be over. I will enter into eternal life in the presence of my Savior to be reunited with my dad my other family members and friends who have gone on ahead of me. Extreme anti- extreme means there is no higher level of anticipation to get to. That I, I am so expected. My confidence in God is so great. My dependence upon what Jesus did for me in the matter of salvation is so high that I have an anticipation level that cannot be exceeded to know that someday, someday... Suffering will end. Wow. Why do Christians suffer? I can't always give you an answer to that. But what I can tell you is that there's a reason for it. God has a plan, God has a purpose. And as a result, God wants us to respond appropriately to suffering. With humility, with thanksgiving, with confidence, with dependence, with anticipation. There's something better waiting. So let me ask you, what are you going through right now? You I can imagine, generally it's going to be pretty correct, 33% of us are in the middle of something right now. We're really in the middle of something hard. Another 33% of us have just come out of something. Another 33% of us are right, right, ready to go th- go into something. So One group's in it, one group just came out, the other's getting ready to head that way. So then, how are we going to respond to what's going on in our lives right now? Do have a choice. How's that going to be for you? Maybe today is the day that we just pause and say, okay, God, here it is. I'm in the middle of it. or I've just come out of it. Or I can see something brewing on the horizon. I really need your help. Would you give me confidence in you? One of the blessings of going through something hard is that If we're trusting God through that process, He begins to grow and mature us in it. So, just to stop and say, God, I I need you to develop me. I need you to mature me. Help me to trust you through this process. Help me to lean on the joy of something that is lying ahead of me. That this life is not all there is. help me to represent you well in my suffering now listen if you don't know christ is your savior then there's a whole different area of concern for you I mean honestly because christ is not your savior you really don't have that one to lean on you don't have that one to depend upon in the middle of your suffering so then for you today response may be different in that you would say, I I need that in my life. I want that in my life. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. This is just a real private time between you and God. If, If God's already spoken to you, you know what's up, then you just need to be talking to Him already. But if you say, Tom, I I really would like to know Christ as my Savior, I just don't know how to go about it. Let me tell you how this works. The Bible says that we have all sinned, we've all rebelled against God, and therefore we fall short of God's glorious standard. We can't get to heaven on our own. It's impossible. So then we need a Savior. Romans 6.23 says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That God gave us a gift, that being His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay for our sin. He paid the price of what we had done in rebellion to God. Romans 10.9 and 10 said that if we, will, if, we will, if we will confess our sin, if we will... Confess that Jesus Christ is Savior. And we will admit, recognize that God raised him back to life after he died for us. That we can be saved. It says, for with, the, for with the heart man believes in the righteous. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So then here it is. If you know that you've done wrong against God, you've rebelled against him in some way. And you want Jesus Christ to be your Savior, then it's just simply a matter of saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? I want Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of my life. I believe you raised him back to life after he died in my place. Would you save me? You say, But Tom, there's not a preacher here. Nobody sitting beside me that could tell me more. You know, you can talk to God all by yourself. You can can tell Him what's on your heart right now. That's what prayer is. You're just talking to God. And then if you want to take it a little further, you want to understand more, and right as soon as we're dismissed, the pastors will be up front. I'll be here. The other pastors will. You just come up and say, "Hey, would you just tell me more? Or you can get a connection card out front, or you can click the link on the pew in front of you to fill out one. And there you can request more information. We'll be glad to get that to you. No cost whatsoever. It's just a matter of getting something to you. We think will greatly benefit you. So come and see us or request that information. We'd love to take you to the next step. We'd love to, to walk with you through this process. Christ is your Savior right now, would you just talk to him?